Hello out there, this is Scott. And this is Emily. And before we dive into our long overdue new episode of X and Y on the Fly, we want to talk to you about how to get in touch with us for 25 minutes for free. And what you can do is go to www.scottandemily.com front slash podcast. And when they talk to us, Emily, what's going to happen? Well, we are going to talk about where you are right now and where you want to be. And most of all, how we can motivate you to feel excited about getting there. Once you get to scottandemily.com front slash podcast, you'll find a nice red button in the upper right hand corner. Just click on it. Fill out the little form and we'll be talking to you for free. We're here for you. And we always have been for 12 years. And now, on to the episode. All right, let's get into it. Live from the mysterious, mist-enshrouded mountaintop fortress that is X and Y Communications Headquarters, you're listening to X and Y on the Fly, the dating podcast, with your hosts, Scott and Emily. Hello to everyone out there. Once again, you have tuned in to the X and Y on the Fly podcast. My name is Scott McKay. And I'm Emily McKay. And today we have a special guest, a good friend of mine from Hoboken, New Jersey. This is more like housebroken Texas, where <laughs> we live, with the dog and everything and the yeah. two kids. Yeah. But anyway... My good friend Mike Goldstein's from Hoboken, New Jersey, and he's here with us today to talk about the topic of the day, which is how come men and women have such a hard time meeting each other. Welcome, Mike. Thank you, Scott. So happy to be here. Yeah, man, and we're glad to have you here too. We've done uh, a summit with you before, gotten to know you pretty well, and uh, love your thoughts on dating and uh, relating. So that's why we're having you on, and I think you're the perfect guy to address this topic. Well, I appreciate that. Glad to be here. So let's dive right in. What do you say, Emily? It sounds great. Now, let's talk about why it's so difficult for men and women to meet each other. And I think this is an interesting topic because I just talked to some girls uh, last week on this very subject, and they said, well, they were from two different backgrounds. One of them is currently in college, and she was, like, overwhelmed by all the guys that she's meeting. And I said, enjoy this because this is the easiest time in your life right now. And the other one's having trouble meeting guys. And that's because she's no longer in college, she's going to work. Uh, there's a whole lot of different reasons why it's more difficult as you get older to meet somebody. Okay, so this is going to be a nice short podcast. Go to college, problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guys and girls have to be somewhere because they're all over the planet. Well, I would agree with you because when you're in high school or you're in college, it's just a bonanza of people to go out with. But man, life is so stinking backwards, isn't it? I mean, precisely when you're too shy to ask girls out or, you know, just don't have the wherewithal to be attractive, for gosh sakes. There are all the people there for you to ask out, and it sort of just doesn't happen. Then later in life, you know, you're more mature. You figured out how to take a bath and clean yourself up better, have some social skill under your belt. Hopefully you don't have too much else under your belt, like me. And uh, then, you know, where did everybody go? Can't date your coworkers, right? Everyone your friends set you up with is all wrong. You don't want to go to bars or clubs because that's just, I don't know, skanky or something. And everybody just says, including us, hey, just go meet someone. Go meet them anywhere. And it's just hard sometimes, isn't it? I know. It's not like going to the uh, supermarket in the freezer section. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you could melt all this stuff. Remember My Blue Heaven? Right. Yeah. What do you think about all this, Mike? 
I think you're spot on. Like, I remember my high school days. Like, you're right. There were so many girls around in high school and then again in college. But in high school, um, you didn't know me then, obviously. But I was I was overweight. I had glasses. I had braces for, I think, part of it. And no girl wanted to talk to me at all. So, yeah, it was pretty hard to, to go interact with women in high school for sure. I don't know how many girls I've talked to, or now women, who have contacted me on Facebook, you know, 30 years later, right? And say things like, well, I only remember the good things about you. And I'm like, yeah, I know exactly what that means. <laughs> you, know, you have to forget all the other parts where I completely messed up and was a total dork on a date or, you know, the part where – she felt completely like, why doesn't this guy ever ask me out? I must smell funny or something. All those things, all those ways that I messed up, you know, not being a man, not understanding femininity enough to be the kind of man who knows how to attract femininity. All of those things in the rearview mirror just kind of make me cringe. So I can completely relate to what you're saying, Mike. All right, cool. Two dorks and then you somehow landed Emily, right? This was much later. This was not in college. Ah. All right. So anyway, Emily, you were saying that now that we're all out of college, it is indeed more difficult to meet people. And even your girlfriends were commenting on that. You know, a lot of guys would think the problem is all theirs. They have to go find the women and ask them out. What's the problem from a woman's perspective? Well, from the woman's perspective, you know, you're told you're not allowed to approach men because it won't produce good results. Why is that? Well, the guys usually like to take the first move. And not to mention, we would rather you guys make the first move and show us that you're men and that you're not afraid of us. But, you know, when you're in the workforce, you're busy working, you come home, you you cook and eat, and you don't want to meet guys at a bar. You know, you don't want to meet somebody who might have some problems. Uh, you can't really go to a church because most of those guys are all married. <laughs> so, I mean, well, you're going to the wrong church then. <laughs> This is what I tell these guys. Men and women will call me up. I don't know if this has happened to you, Mike. And they'll say, you know, I'm a Christian person and I just can't meet anybody at church. You know, I want to meet someone who shares my faith. And then I ask them about their church and they're going to this church that's all the old people. It's a blue hair church or it's the frozen chosen and no one's even really involved. They just get there on Sunday and park their BMW, go inside and leave right afterwards. They're not involved with a church that has any kind of well, it's a church that doesn't have anybody single to begin with, let alone someone their own age or someone cool or any way for them to interact built into the program. I mean, I totally agree with you. It's such a great place to meet people. So I'm Jewish. And um, like if you go to temple, the rabbi might as well be a matchmaker. And I'm not sure if they do that in the Christian religion. Maybe you guys can fill me in. But it's insane. Like if he finds out that you're single or she's single, all of a sudden he's like, well, who can I match together? And he's introducing you and he comes and grabs you and it's like, you need to meet this person. Does the priest do that at, at church? Not at all. But you live in New York and I'm thinking he's usurping the task of every Jewish grandmother in New York. <laughs> Basically. Well, yeah. <laughs> Where do some of my girlfriends get some of those grandmas? Well, I don't know. First of all, they'd have to be Jewish. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I just absolutely commented on the same exact topic in my last episode of Mountaintop. My guest was commenting how in California, everybody expects you to be married and have kids by the time you're 40. And I was like, 40? You must be in California. He goes, if you're in New Jersey, it's like, Johnny, go get a girlfriend. Go make some grandchildren for us, you know. And that's like by the time you're 17. I mean, you're a senior in high school and this is already happening. Right. You know, what do you think? 
Yeah, it really just depends. Like, um, at least where I grew up, it's a little bit later because, um, like, I'm right outside New York City, so everyone's like career focused. I must make a million dollars, and I can't focus on anything but my career. So a lot of men, especially, um, you know, they could sometimes 30s, late 40s, all of a sudden they pick their head up and they're like, "Whoa, I better do this whole dating thing and get married and do the whole children thing." Um, so actually, it's a little bit later where I am, but um, certainly different parts of um, New Jersey, 100%. You're right. Like people are uh, like, whoa, you're 18 and you're not trying to get married. Like you better get on this. Well, another thing you just mentioned, I think is absolutely key. And that's your career gets in the way. I mean, here in the United States, we have this thing called adolescence. That was not a thing 150, 200 years ago. You know, you grew hair on your balls and you got married and made babies, you know, get out in the fields and work and make some more people to help us. Uh, nowadays, you know, you're not supposed to even look at a woman. You might not even be supposed to look at a woman ever, according to some people out there, which is another reason probably why men and women aren't getting together. But I digress. For matters what we're talking about here, the problem is, you know, you go into the workforce much later than we used to because we're going through school, we're going through college, we're going through graduate school. Then, you know, just like you said, Mike, you get all engrossed in your career and you're climbing the corporate ladder And not only men, but women will come to us and say, well, you know, I've been so busy at work that I just never got around to meeting someone. Now, whether they're in California or not, they're 38 or 40 years old and they're thinking, you know, I got to get on this thing. I better start dating. And the next thing you know, they're trying to date and they just don't have the skills. They were never developed. They don't even know what to do. And the world has moved fast around them. There's online dating. There's Tinder. They don't know the first thing about how to use all that stuff. And of course, the excuse comes, there's nobody to go out with. There's nobody to date, and I don't even know how. Yeah, it's overwhelming. And even when we do see men out there, for example, I brought up being at a supermarket. There's a lot of single guys there, but they're afraid to approach us, and we are unaware of that. So we are seeing people in our daily lives who are single, who are available, but we are just walking right past each other without saying a word. Absolutely. Emily, you talked about something earlier that – I've just had a total epiphany many years ago about, and what you talked about was like women, it makes sense that women don't want to approach men or send the first message online. Like they want the man to be the hunter. That's fabulous. But what I've found is that if women do send the first message or do do something to initiate a guy, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I think Scott will attest to this. Like if a woman Let's move the fact that you're married. But if a good-looking woman came up to you and said, hi, can I talk to you, wouldn't you be, like, ecstatic, Scott? doesn't matter if I'm married or not. (laughs) (laughs) Hell, when Emily comes and talks to me, I'm ecstatic. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. No, it's good for women to show interest, you know, give a look or even to start a conversation. There's nothing wrong with that, and actually that's a good thing. But sometimes women get that confused with being forward and asking the guy out for a date. Don't hijack the conversation, but, you know, help the guy along with the process. Yes, absolutely. Women are really good when they know what they're doing. That has to be the caveat. When they know what they're doing, they're really good at putting themselves in a man's way, (laughs) making themselves visible, making themselves obvious. And that's different than throwing themselves at them. And heck, just like both of you just said, a woman can smile. A woman can make some light conversation, ask a question. And that's not going to come off as her being some kind of forward, slutty, untoward, unladylike person like her mama taught her not to be, you know? So I think I dig what both of you are saying. I would add to it 
that I don't think women understand that men have been told at work and on social media to basically stop bothering women because women don't want your attention. It's very rapey and the whole rape culture thing and the toxic masculinity thing has come about. And of course, we flogged that dead horse on this show so many times I don't really want to get into it. But I mean, it is a reality when we're talking about men and women meeting each other. Women aren't going to throw themselves at the guys. Mike, perhaps sometimes women know that from direct experience. It's like, hey, you know, I tried to talk to this guy and what he thinks is, you know, is this woman desperate or what have you because she's throwing herself at me? It's almost like we got to be careful what we ask for as guys because when we get it, we don't really want it. You know, it's like, hey, wait a minute. I would love for women to throw themselves at me. And then when it happens, lo and behold, they're like, hey, what's wrong? You know, the psychological effect of it is so much different. But be that as it may, what we're left with is men being told, don't ask these women out, don't bother them. And then women wondering why none of these guys are bothering them or asking them out. Because it isn't like they're being bothered. It's like, I would love a guy to come talk to me. You know, we get lots of emails and lots of discussions with men and women, especially women. Why are guys not interested? Or is he interested in me or not? I can't really tell from the conversation. Yeah, and you can't tell from an email either. Because, you know, hey, people may legitimately not be interested in each other. But then again, I have seen so many cases, and I'm sure you've seen this too, Mike, where two people actually liked each other, and tragically, neither one of them had the ability to meet each other or had the wherewithal to meet each other. They simply thought the other one wasn't interested, or they both literally, quite literally, shied away from each other. I mean, absolutely. You're totally spot on, Scott. I think, you know, we get into the semantics of who approaches, and I you know, we lose it. Like um, when you think about when you and Emily got together, if she did the first conversation or you did the first conversation, do you really care? At this point, all you care about is the fact that you found each other and you're in love and you built a great family. So the nuances of how you meet um, doesn't need to get crazy. But in terms of strategy, um, what I'd love to talk about is, you know, if you just smile at a guy, and I think, I'm sure Scott's talked about this a million times. Men are afraid of rejection. They're afraid to come over because of, like he said, the rape culture and women not wanting him to come, come over and talk. But what about like if we could make women make it a little bit easier for the guy, if she just, instead of smiling, what if she waved at him? And then if, you know, she got a decent wave, she then waved him to come over. And I love the wave come over because then he still gets credit as the man if he decides like, oh, I'm going to come over. This girl is I'm interested in. He still gets credit for the pickup and the initial conversation. But she had a more proactive um, presence and a wherewithal to, to try and make this whole uh, love and romance thing happen for herself. What do you guys think about that? Well, this is one of the things you talk about all the time, Emily, is women actually putting themselves out there and looking friendly instead of hiding behind – you know, a smartphone or worse in Starbucks hiding behind their laptop and looking like, you know, they want to bite somebody's head off. Right. They, too many times women, they actually don't even realize that they're putting guys off. You know, they not only are they not doing what you just said, helping guys to approach them by being friendly and waving and, you know, inviting them into the conversation with themselves and their and their girlfriends. But oftentimes they'll be there with their body language closed. In other words, they have their arms crossed. And they really do look like someone you're afraid to approach. And they fail to realize they're not smiling. They look angry. No one's going to want to approach somebody like that. And they fail that they're sabotaging their own possibilities of finding somebody just on that one little aspect of looking unfriendly and unapproachable. It's like they're saying, how come none of these men will meet me, damn it? 
<laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh, you you just hit the nail on the head. If you don't look approachable, ladies, we are not going to talk to you. We are going to read that signal loud and clear. The problem is we don't read the other signals that are the positive signals loud and clear at all because you, know, you have to have iron self-esteem to go up and talk to a woman you've never met before. And what I love about your comments earlier, Mike, is this whole idea of allowing women to kind of make a suggestion that a guy make a move without actually hijacking that move. And that's something you teach the women also, Emily, right? Right. That way we get our nice movie moments that way. <laughs> I remember one time I was out on a date with a woman and we were at a restaurant and she kind of leaned across the table and said, so um, has it ever crossed your mind maybe to try to kiss me? <laughs> I was like, okay, this is a pretty strong hint. But she didn't hijack the kiss and try to kiss me or something. She still left that move up to me. And that's kind of what you're talking about, you two, right? Exactly. Well, we need to know the the rest of the story. What happened, Scott? Well, I don't really even remember. I mean, so many women so many years ago. <laughs> uh, TMI too, right? Maybe <laughs> I actually don't remember because it was in a restaurant. I mean, I don't imagine I walked around the table and made out with her right in the middle of the restaurant. Although you and I have done that. But you're special. <laughs> I'll endure the public humiliation on her behalf, but maybe not this other woman's behalf. <laughs> she wasn't as lucky as me. No. I would say fortunate, <laughs> not lucky. Fortunate. Yes. But enough about me. So anyway, Mike, you know, we got that one out of the way. What are some other reasons nowadays that you think men and women aren't meeting each other the way they should be? Maybe I should preface it by asking this question. Has it ever been easy? Or are we just pretending it was easy back then and it isn't anymore? That's a great question. It's never been easy, but it was different. Um, certainly back in the 1900s or, or even well before that, like our grandparents, our grandparents' grandparents, when they got together, yes, some of them got together for love, but a lot of them got together for security and protection and financial security where back then the man, you know, was the breadwinner and the woman needed to latch on so that, um, you know, she had money and had a house and could build a family. But now that's not the case at all. Now women can do their own career. They can do anything they want by themselves. And now everyone's or most people are just getting together and they've got to find love. So it's gotten a little more difficult because not only do you want someone who's financially secure, but you also want someone that can provide you love and support and happiness and everything that goes along with a successful relationship. I think we're more complicated nowadays, too. We have so many outlets with media, other people telling us what we're missing out on and what we should be getting in our lives that we aren't getting, that we've become spoiled not only for choice, but for expectation. Interesting thought. That is so true. Mm. I was thinking that, too, when you were talking, Mike, is that, you know, like you said, in the 1900s, 1800s, life was simpler back then. You either grew up on a farm or in a city and you had your life pretty much mapped out for you. And the person that you end up marrying is one who, you know, had the same life mapped out as well. And so you just married up with the person that was closest to you. Heck, ending up with someone outside of, say, a 20 or 30 mile radius of where you were born and lived is something new, right. relatively speaking. And along with that, nowadays, because we have the whole world opened up to us, and then there's all these different subjects and thoughts and ideas that we all have. We now have a broader spectrum of ideas and thoughts and feelings that finding someone who can complement that is a little bit more challenging in some ways. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah, you know what, Emily? 
In terms of the whole idea of things being more complicated nowadays, some things do make it simpler, whether people, I don't know, acknowledge it or not. One of those things has got to be online dating. In my mind, Mike, online dating is that one X factor that comes the closest of replacing that bonanza we had in high school and college. 100%. Online dating is a big game changer. Uh, this is old data. They, we don't have the new data yet, but one in three marriages as of, I think this was 2015, was from online dating, which is amazing. And um, yeah, what do you guys think about that? Well, I think, first of all, everybody online is single. You don't have to go up and worry about that if you're talking to them, thinking, okay, is this woman's husband going to come around the corner any second when I'm chatting her up and is this going to end poorly? Or is she going to say, uh, thank you, but I have a boyfriend. You know, when you're online, you don't have to worry about that. Everybody is single and looking. At least should be. <laughs> or at least they should be. You know, I'm living yes. in a utopian world here, obviously. Um, <laughs> probably living in a too optimistic world, but certainly you have again, Lots of people, assuming you live in some decent size of a metro area. I mean, if you live in a town of 150 people and you've dated both eligible bachelors, if you're a lady there, mm. I really can't help you. I have a funny story that goes along with that. You know, I basically had a woman come to me and said, I can't meet anybody. I said, well, you're going to have to move. Well, she goes, I can't move. I have a, a job here that I love. I said, well, then stay. But I want to meet a guy. Then I said, then move. You know, <laughs> went back and forth till she realized the reality the gravitas of what I was telling her. Then she moved to the next major city over and she was engaged within a year. But, you know, notwithstanding that, assuming most people listening to us, listening to the sound of our voice, live in a metro area of at least, say, 50,000 or more, which I know is a stretch. Some people do live in a rural area and that's a different podcast. But be that as it may, assuming you live in a decent sized city, you just put in your search and you get a bunch of eligible women or eligible men. And ladies, you know, if you do your profile right and you ask for exactly who you're looking for and stop talking to the men you don't want and talk to the men you do want and don't scare them away with stuff that doesn't make sense, you know, some nice guys will start writing you and you can pick and choose which ones to write back. And guys, you can write to women to your heart's content and assuming, you know, you sound like a human being and a masculine one at that, some of them will write back. And the next thing you know, it's like high school again. There's a bunch of women and you can theoretically ask them out if you have the balls to. It's the closest approximation of that bonanza we had back when our social lives were just full of classmates of the other gender. You know, that's excellent point. Now, to go along with that, remember when we were in high school, how hard it was for us to meet, even online. Well, seeing as how you were in Texas and I was in Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> even online. I'll ask you this, Mike. And you were in junior high. <laughs> right. A little young for you Eesh, back then, wasn't right? I? Yeah, no kidding. Anyway, um, even online. I would imagine, tell me what you think, Mike, that it's still, even though we can match people up, see someone who looks fantastic, even several somebodies who look wonderful, uh, it's still a challenge to meet that person, either through internet or even in person. What's your thoughts on that? Um, it's definitely challenging. Reason being, uh, especially for women, so I'm a big numbers and data nerd. Uh, you guys may not know this about me. Um, and I actually work with the online dating sites and they send me their data. But what we're finding is that women, literally 95% of their incoming messages are from guys that um, they don't appear to be interested in. So that means that when a woman gets 20 messages, the only one of them looks appealing to her. Um, so that's a huge challenge right there. Well, a lot of that is the guy's fault. Because guys have no idea how to make themselves look appealing, which is why you and I are here, Mike. 
Um, but, you know, it is also a fact of life that we're not going to be attracted to everyone who's going to be attracted to us and vice versa. But be that as it may, there's still a lot of people out there to choose from. I agree with that. When I was on online dating, a lot of guys wrote really poorly. I mean, I got a, oh, you look so gorgeous. I, I think we're perfect for each other. You know, when can we get together and, you know, start our life together? You know, a lot of guys were really creepy and they didn't even realize that they came off as creepy or that they said and did things that would put us off. But on another side of that is from a woman's perspective, we don't realize how hard it is for them to do that. You know, they don't know what to say. We, they've never met us. How do you start a conversation with someone you've never met? So if you're talking about somebody who has written you, you need to look at that profile and, or look at that email and think to yourself, is this somebody who just didn't know what to say or how to write? Because not everybody are English grammar majors. <laughs> well, it reminds me of the audio you did for the ladies called How to Find a Great Man Behind a Mediocre Profile. Right. And I've done that in live coaching with women who say, I can't find any men here. And within five minutes, we find them three guys and then they go, all right, I'll write them. Next thing you know, they go out with them and can't figure out which guy to go out on a second date with because they liked all of them. I mean, it is so true. Women are ruthless. You all are ruthless out there when it comes to men knowing how to do online dating. You're expecting them to come off like a Disney prince or Cyrano de Bergerac and really – this isn't what we do for a living. This isn't what we're good at. You know, we're out there hunting and fishing and doing engineering and I don't know, whatever we're doing isn't writing love poetry to women. I mean, we're just not good at it. And oh, come on, we were raised to want a prince to sweep us off our feet. Well, now <laughs> I will say this. When men do learn the skills of online dating, they end up getting all the women. It's funny how you would mention Mike, that women can get 20 emails and only one of them is attractive because 95%, you see how those numbers all match up? 95% of men quit in shame and disgust within 90 days of starting online dating because the women aren't responding to them. Mm -hmm. But those women are going out with somebody and it's that one guy out of 20. And yeah. that's what we do around here is teach men how to be that one guy out of 20. And what we do with the women is teach them how to get all those other 19 guys who are sending them, you know, dick pics or whatever. Or saying, oh, <laughs> hey, you want a booty call? You know, all these guys who don't know their butt from a hole in the ground, literally, to cut it out and say, you know, this woman isn't going to want me. She's got too much class. She's looking for a relationship-minded man or whatever. And then having those women, in turn, only attract the right kind of guys who they really want. That's the great skill of online dating. For men, it's how to be the guy who attracts women through what he writes and how he presents himself. And for women, it's how to make sure the right guys are the ones approaching her online. That's how it works. Otherwise, it doesn't work. <laughs> got that right. So online dating then. This has got to be one of the ways that men and women meet each other in the 21st century. If they're doing it right and if, if they're, they're doing able, it right. Otherwise, we come right back to the beginning of it's really difficult to meet somebody. And, you know, I will add on to this, you know, kind of scaling the online dating conversation with the advent of all these god awful apps. It's come full circle. Now there's an embarrassment of riches. Everybody's messaging everyone. Everybody flakes on everyone, ghosts them, breadcrumbs them, whatever you want to call it. And then all of a sudden, nobody's meeting each other again. What do you think about apps, Mike? Oh boy. So, um, I work almost exclusively with, uh, I work 70% with women that are looking for love and relationships. So I hate apps. And reason being, once again, I'm a numbers, science, math nerd, and there's not enough information 
on these apps. So uh, if you're on Tinder or Bumble or Happen or whatever, you write, I think the profile is like 251 characters or even less. And so there's no information there. But on the flip side, if you use like OkCupid, for example, you get 10 or 12 questions, very large profiles that sometimes could be anywhere from 500 to 1,000 characters or even more. And then also they've got an algorithm where the two guys that started the company are from Harvard. And so what we found uh, as a data nerd, that if women clients go on dates with men that um, are 90% or higher match percentage, they only need to meet six to eight guys to find someone they like. So you find someone you like, because I think that's the biggest complaint out there is, I wear the high quality men like, yeah, I can go on a a crummy date, but I want to go on a really good date. And so um, you kind of have to get away from these trendy Tinders, Bumbles and kind of go back to these um, the more robust sites, in my opinion. So, yeah, the other thing with that, Mike, that we haven't talked about yet is the whole idea with apps is it's so superficial that it's almost like if the person doesn't look good, they're done right before they start. So your picture is what matters. So nobody with decent pictures is getting any action. And then everybody with really nice pictures is getting all the action. And then they end up with the same problem because they get all the attention. They're giving all the attention, getting it all in return. And you can't possibly date a hundred people by tomorrow night. That's why apps, I think ultimately are going to go the way of the dinosaur. I just, I think it's just going to end up being a big failed experiment and we're all going to gravitate back towards something that's a bit more of a holistic profile, like online dating a la match or okay cupid. One other aspect to that I was thinking about is the way that men and women interact, or even the way that we see things. Men tend to, for the most part, be visual. And so for you know us women, showing the best pictures of ourselves tend to be really helpful. I used uh, a whole collage of pictures to give an idea of myself, whereas women tend to be more, they want to dig into and see more what the person is like, rather than be so visual. So what's written in the profile is so important to us. In a lot of these apps, you can't cater to both types or both styles, unlike, you know, your websites could. That reminds me of a study or an experiment that a woman did that I saw advertised not too long ago, where she was just sick of getting dick pics from guys. Did you see this, Mike? (laughs) No, let's hear about it. Yeah, this woman did this on Bumble, I think. So what she did was she found a picture online of someone else's vajayjay, right? A particularly well-groomed one, I think. And when she would meet guys on Bumble, she said to herself, well, you know what? I think it's time we gave these chauvinist jerks a taste of their own medicine. You know, I'm going to start sending them genital pics right before they get to know me just to just to show them what it's like. Yeah, well, that backfired. <laughs> <laughs> Guys were all interested in going out with her as soon as she sent the pussy pic to him. You know, she was like, wow, I didn't really expect this result. And again, what it harkens back to is exactly what you said, Emily. Men and women are just wired differently. So how we use online dating and the expectations we have, or sexpectations, if you will, are very different than how women are using it and what they're expecting from it. And I think men and women just have to understand each other a little bit better. Uh, I saw a guy online who said it very succinctly. Very bluntly, you know, our job, according to evolution and biology, is to get into that pussy. That's our job, damn it. So if, you know, we're bad people for being heterosexual and wanting to have sex with a woman, you know, that's not a valid reason just to dismiss us as horrible people. I think the disconnect is men go there too soon 
And that's what's off-putting to the woman because she wants a little bit more of the dance to go on. And I think that's where we kind of need to understand each other a little bit better. Yeah, that's spot on. I, I always tell my my female clients, it's a good thing if he's trying to have sex with you. That is very positive. That means he's attracted to you. And that's a good thing. Imagine if instead the opposite was happening and he didn't want to touch you. He didn't want to – he just didn't find you attractive. That would be terrible. <laughs> I've said this. I have said this exact thing to women in coaching calls before, exactly what you're saying. It's like all these men just want to have sex. Well, when I first met you, your problem was none of these men were sexually attracted to you. Well, now you find what happens when guys are sexually attracted to you is they're horny for you. Well, you know? Know, I was just thinking, remember Three's a Company, the neighbors downstairs, she could never get her husband Oh, Three's down. Company? Yeah. Yeah, the Ropers. The Ropers, Yeah, yes. exactly. What a terrible position to be in if you're a woman. And you really, I mean, as women, we do love sex, you know? And so if you're with a man and he has no physical attraction towards you, how sad that is. Yeah, you can't have it both ways, literally. Yeah. Excellent point, Mike. Yeah. So the guy wants to have sex with you. Ladies, all you got to do, it's so simple. Just don't have sex with him yet, and then you can keep dating, assuming he can refocus and get back to, like, courting you and getting to know you. That's great. He's attracted to you. Let's get to know each other. And then when you're ready, then you guys can come together and have that amazing uh, sexual experience that you guys wanted to have. Isn't there some obscure movie somewhere where the man and the woman switched genders? She became a man for a day, and the man became a woman for a day, and the first thing she realizes, oh, my God. God, I'm horny. You guys are this horny all the time? All I can think about is sex. That's like the first thing that happens as soon as she switches over. I can't remember the name of the movie. I've never seen that movie, but I've heard of it. Yeah, someone was talking to me about it probably a couple months ago, and I I burst out laughing. I think that's so funny. Yeah, I mean, even people who are saving themselves for marriage for whatever you know faith-based reasons, they're still horny, okay? They still want to have lots of sex. So, I mean – Anytime a woman is faulting a guy for being horny towards her, I think that's just so misplaced. It's kind of like when men fault women for wanting a man who can provide and protect. It's like, I don't know, beat up these thugs yourself and go get a job. You know, they're just misunderstanding the dance of sexual attraction with each other. And I think that's probably another reason why men and women have such a hard time meeting each other nowadays is the angry people who have an agenda to divide men and women, seem to get the microphone and scream the loudest. The next thing you know, we're indoctrinated. You know, it's really sad. I think deep down, most men really want women and most women really want men. And we are horny for each other. Another thing is the societal expectations upon women to not be quote unquote slutty and to hide their sexuality. The best way I know to really put a good solid mental picture behind that is Emily and I were traveling in a Muslim country and we were talking about women in hijab and women in burqas. And, you know, of course, the guy was saying to us what we already knew, which is, you know, this is to protect our women from the prying eyes of the predatory sexual male. And I said, well, you know, what I've often thought about is in Muslim cultures, especially more conservative ones, the women are getting a free pass to ogle over the guys all day long. Because, you know, the guys can wear tight jeans and whatever they want. And the women are like, mm, look at that piece of ass all day long. <laughs> you know, it seems like a double standard. And it's just the guy had a really good sense of humor. He's like, yeah, you know, that's crossed some people's mind before, too, especially after we get married and we find out what these women are really like. But, yeah, I mean, men and women really are sexual towards each other. And women do think sexual thoughts. Men, of course, do. 
And uh, yet the societal expectations and the societal ties that bind sometimes are really unfair, not just to women, but men also. Well, you know, I was going to say that those are really excellent points because not only that, the fact that we are being taught how not to understand each other and how not to be tolerant of one another, this misunderstanding really causes this great lack of communication. And therefore, every time we interact with the opposite sex, things tend to break down and fall apart because we lack the understanding of how each gender functions for the most part. When in reality, Mike, we're all just human. We all bleed red. That's interesting, Emily, uh, what you were just saying about how the communication breaks down. Maybe uh, I would love to hear what you mean. Like, how does the, the communication break down? What happens? Well, for example, when you said that there was guys sending out dick pics, you know, guys are thinking, you know, they love to see a woman's vajayjay and they just think that she's just hot. Well, he fails to realize we're not that image focused. You know, we're looking for depth and connection. And so he's thinking, well, as soon as she sees my dick, she's going to, you know, go, wow, just like he would do that in, in response to a woman. That's one disconnect because he's not understanding how a woman thinks and feels, or for that matter, what she even needs in a relationship, not just what he wants, but what she needs. There's a lack of communication. There's a lack of understanding. And most of all, there's a lack of compassion for the other person. What does that other person need that I can help them with? Well, I think that all fundamentally draws from the fact that men and women fail to understand that masculinity and femininity attract each other because they're different. So I can't expect the other gender to be attracted the same way I am, or else all the wheels are going to fall apart. Reminds me of my girlfriend in, in uh, college used to give me teddy bears for my birthday and for Christmas. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I don't want teddy bears. That. <laughs> <laughs> I want tools and, you know, something cool, you know. Anyway, we're running out of time. This has been a fascinating conversation. And really, I think it comes down to, hey, you know what? Men and women, we want each other. And I think people long for love. People long for sex, ultimately. And... We need to treat each other with respect, with humanity, understand the differences between masculinity and femininity. And hey, if you don't meet someone forever in high school and college, either because you're not ready or it just doesn't work out. The good news is, even with all the complications of modern society, you still have online dating. Yes. That's good. You know, and yes, you know what? You can still meet people in the grocery store. Just be friendly, look approachable, ladies. And guys, just make a conversation. Try it. You won't bite your head off as long as you're staying human and you give her some space. Anyway, Mike, I want you to tell the ladies in particular out there about what you've got going on. Yeah. So um, I coach women and men, but um, I have an 83% success rate at getting people into a relationship. But um, we're giving away a free gift. Is that what you want me to talk about, Scott? Yes. Tell me where we're sending these folks. Yes. All right. We have a free gift that we're going to put uh, down below, I believe. And it's how to text men during the day what not to do and what to do. And I love this because it goes back to what we were just talking about. Like what Emily was really uh, harping on and was so spot on about was there's this big communication divide. And just really uh, what Scott was also talking about is we don't understand each other. And this text guide um, video that's short, don't worry, I'm not going to take too much time, um, just explains the male and female difference and how we want to be texts. And it's going to be so uh, light bulb um, because it's not how you text your girlfriends. This is how you text a man that you want to be in a relationship with and how to be respectful of what he wants. 
And um, it's hopefully will be eye-opening and I think it'll be really helpful. And we've gotten a lot of great feedback on this video that it's like, oh, wow, I can't do that. Okay, great. Um, so um, click it. It's free. Um, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Well, I'll tell you what, that sounds more interesting to me, even as a man, because I want to know what you wrote women about how to text me. So guys, I think you should go get your hands on it too. Definitely. And what I've done is I've set up a special URL, as I always do. It's www.scottrecommends.com front slash Goldstein. That's G-O-L-D-S-T-E-I-N. And there you'll be able to find Mike's free gift to you on texting. And uh, it's good stuff because Mike's smart. He means well. He's one of the good guys in this dating advice arena. And I think you'll be pleased to get to know him. Mike, thanks for bringing uh, such a great conversation today. This has been a lot of fun. Yes, it's been wonderful. Ah, McKay's, thank you so much for having me. It's always a blast to get to talk to you guys. And likewise. And folks, if you're not on my newsletter, where I talk to men about how to get better with women, then you can go to www.scottandemily.com front slash podcast, where you'll also find show notes and uh, get in on that. And I have a lot of women who uh, like to be flies on the wall and see what it is that I uh, teach guys. And also, you can go to clickwithhim.com and get your newsletter, right? That's right. Until we talk to you again on the next episode of X and Y on the Fly, this is Scott McKay. And this is Emily McKay. Be good. And have fun. You've been listening to the X and Y on the Fly dating podcast with Scott and Emily McKay. Copyright 2009 by the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be sure to listen to Scott and Emily's other podcasts, including The Chick Whisperer, Dating Cast, and Online Dating Profile Rating, all found on iTunes or at x-net-media.com. Also, check out Scott and Emily on the web at www.deservewhatyouwant.com. This is Ed Roy Odom speaking for the X and Y Communications Worldwide Media Casting Network. Be good and have fun.